0: Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. There you go. And if you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the area code is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. And if you use the world code, which is 01 in front of that, you can reach us from anywhere in the world. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that. Right now is the perfect time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not only that, but we're actually going to be out next week and the following week because of Mardi Gras and what have you. Uh So we won't be doing live shows. Still got some real good information. I brought up a couple of classic shows from five years ago. I think most people have not heard yet, so it'll all be new. (laughs) But yeah, if you got a question that you need answered, today is the day to get it in. Exactly. Because we are here in the studio live and can answer those for you that we can wait and it's going to be about three weeks for you (laughs) (laughs) well now you can still get your questions answered just not a a live answer Mm -hmm. you can do that by going to our website which is agcoauto.com that is a g dot com. there is a contact bar on each and every page just click the button and fill out the little form that pops up and send it on in there you go i get asked back to you within 24 hours on that so not too, too long a wait. Not quite as good as being able to just get her a live answer. Yeah, a live answer from the phone. <laughs> and, you know, one thing, too, when you do send something in, I can give you the information or the answer I see to your question. Uh-huh. But if you have a follow-up question and you got to go back and fill out another form, you can't just reply to it because I won't get it. Okay. We get so much email. I get so much spam email that you can't, we've got it fixed where you can't reply to that form. Right, you have, right. To, go you have back, to go back and redo the redo a new form. another form. Now, if you don't get an answer in a 24-hour
1: 24 24
0: period, you need to go check your spam folder too because I know all the, I guess all the spam services are tightening up their they are. requirements and all that stuff. And I know a lot of our stuff is getting filtered out now because they see a server with an awful lot of email coming out of it. So they they're assume, already kind of yeah. suspect and then the fact that it can't be replied to also seems kind of some of them so if you don't see the email just go down to your spam folder and check in there and make sure it didn't get moved to spam if it did just mark it that it's not it's spam okay. move yeah. it up and you can even do what they call whitelisting where you go in add us add our address to your to your list yeah to your list where it'll automatically get those back to okay. us and you'll receive them that way we each week try to have some kind of a format to go by just so we don't Talk back and forth and... Amble on yeah, the you go.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> And you're never limited to that format. Whatever topic we're talking about that day, you're never limited to that. You can just go ahead and give us a call. Anything might be on your mind. But I thought we'd talk a little bit today about fuel pumps and fuel pump problems because we haven't talked about that in a while. We haven't. And the thing with a fuel pump, people will say... Well, it can't be the fuel pump because, because my car is still blah, 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 blah. And uh-huh. they'll name one way that a fuel pump dies. But fuel pumps, like almost every component on a car, don't only die in one way. They don't. Just they, like they people. They die in several ways. Yeah. People die in all kinds of different ways. Some of them are perfectly healthy, roll, rock and roll along, and just keel over dead. Right. Just out of the blue. Others drag out for a period of time Some don't feel good for a while get worse worse and worse and get so just like people die in all sorts of different ways fuel pumps and most things on cars, cars do that can fail in many different ways you know you could have say diabetes and one of the symptoms may be you may actually lose your leg
3: mm-hmm.
0: but it doesn't mean that everybody is going to lose limbs when they have diabetes right. some people don't have that symptom at all you may just feel tired, or you may be thirsty all the time, or any number of symptoms. You may just not have a lot of energy. So a lot of ways that one problem can affect a body, same thing with a car. A lot of ways that one thing can, can affect, affect the, the, way the car. And because one thing is okay, doesn't mean everything is okay. Exactly. we will go to our phone lines with CJ. We'll come back and talk more about fuel pumps and stuff in just a minute. Good morning, CJ. How are you today?
3: Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Great,
0: sir. Good morning.
3: I have a 2001 Toyota Tacoma with a four-cylinder engine. In okay. It, uh, around 500 RPMs around idle, it has a little bit more. It has a vibration to it, but you're as I go and speed up, you know, a thousand and mm-hmm. just at driving speed, it runs fine. Yes, it, it's no vibration at all. It's only at idle. I, I notice. I could hear it, feel it vibrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think could be a cause for that? CJ, I can tell you, almost
0: any engine, if it has either a slight misfire or, say, getting something else in just a second, but what happens, an engine is running at its least efficient at idle, and it's got a heavy load on it. Let's say you're sitting there, you got it in gear, your foot's on the brake, the air-conditioned compressor's running. It's got a lot of load on that engine. But it's turning very slow, so it's running inefficiently. So most things like that will show up at that time if they're, if they're minor. Now, the first thing I would want to check, just because it's a classic for that symptom, you want to make sure you don't have an engine mount or mounts that have gone bad. Because what happens with engine mounts, it's like three or four, depending on the configuration, blocks of rubber that the engine's sitting on. The reason they do that is because engines do vibrate when they're sitting at idle. Because like, I said before, it's a lot of load on it. It's turning slow, so it vibrates. These rubber blocks tend to absorb the vibration so it's not passed on to, to, the, the, pa- driver. to the driver. Now, what happens over time, rubber starts to pack down. It starts to deteriorate, and now you start to feel these vibrations. And generally, you're going to feel that idle. When you accelerate and get up to a 1,000, the engine's running much faster, and you, it just kind of goes away. The easiest way to test for this is to... Get like a floor jack and get a block of wood of some sort to spread the load out. Go under the vehicle. Put it under the oil pan of the engine, you know, and then put it in gear with your foot on the brake, somebody in the car, air conditioning on where it's really shaking, and then just lift up on the engine slightly. And don't get crazy. Don't try to push it out of the truck, but just pick up slightly. If the vibration immediately gets much better, then you probably got a motor mount that's touching. Mm -hmm. In other words, it, it... when that motor mount packs down, the metal on the mount touches the metal on the chassis, so now you got a transfer path. So that's when you're going to feel it. All you're doing by lifting up is you're just breaking up the transfer path. So if it goes away when you do that, then you're probably looking at one or more of the motor mounts as bad. Then it takes a physical inspection of them and, and you can tell which one or ones. How many miles you got on it, CJ?
3: Oh, 230000 yeah. and Yeah,
0: well, see, with that age and yeah. that many miles, I would probably just change all of them. Because if one is bad, that bad, they're all going to be pretty tired. What will happen if you put one new one in? It'll try to do all the work itself, and it'll tear it up again pretty fast.
3: Let me ask you, What age spark plugs, where the spark plugs need to be changed, could cause a misfire or something mm-hmm. at, at low RPM? It
0: can. You know, spark plugs don't care about age. It can be 10 years old. as goes by how many times they've been fired. So, hard. spark plug is strictly by mileage, and on that one, you'd have to check and see if that's got copper plugs in it or if it's got iridium plugs. Probably going to be copper plugs. I think it's copper. Yeah, the easiest yeah. way to tell you, if the spark plugs cost like two to four dollars a piece—they're copper. They're yeah. copper. If they're ten to twenty dollars a piece, then they're probably iridium. But those are supposed to be changed every thirty thousand miles at the maximum. Co- the, the copper, copper ones. ones the iridiums generally go up a hundred thousand miles.
2: Yes,
0: yeah, yes. Yeah. So you you want to. What you do first is check, and if you pick up on the motor and it still shakes the same amount, okay, well, it's not a mount because you've broken up the transfer path. Mm-hmm. Then you're looking for, like, a spark a problem or something like that, and check, too, on the idle on that truck. CJ, make sure whatever the specified idle is because let's say the specified idle is 650 RPM and yours is idling at 500. It's going to run really rough. And it's going to shake a lot. Yep. And there's no adjustment for that. You can't adjust the idle. The computer automatically sets it based on certain sensors and parameters. What it means is something is wrong with the parameters that it can't determine idle. And one common thing on that is if the battery goes dead or you change the battery, it's going to lose its idle memory. Now, if the throttle body is dirty, it's going to have a hard time relearning that memory because the throttle blades doesn't go all the way closed like it should. So it could take weeks, if not months, to relearn idle, and sometimes it won't relearn idle. So it drops down, and it's really going to shake a lot. So that's another possibility. So, again, start off by lifting up on the engine. If it goes away, then we're probably into an engine mount. If it persists, then we're looking at... Either a low idle or a insufficient idle, your bad spark plug, something like that.
3: Something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, sir. You gave me some good ideas. I will try that uh, this weekend. Sounds great. Look, I listen to your show all the time, so you have a good day. Well, thank you, TJ. And I appreciate you. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right.
0: We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with a whole lot more on the automotive idle. If you... Ever plan to move west?
1: Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no, it's Falon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Falon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Falon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. It seems like old Falon has quite a gig going.
2: Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape.
1: So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too.
2: Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
3: (laughs) Welcome back.
0: this join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. And today is a live show. We're it both is. in the studio. So if you got a call, a question, or comment, just today is the day to call. We will be out the next two weeks with recorded shows, but we are live and in person today. One last thing on CJ's question about the vibration and the motor mount. CJ, if you're still listening, do not go with an aftermarket motor mount. Those are basically not going to do the job. If you put yeah. aftermarket, if you can even get them installed, because a lot of times you can't hardly get them in there; it just don't fit right. Right, and the ones you do get in that you do get bolted down, they don't have the same vibration dampening as the original mount does. Right, they so make any vibration vibrate worse than the original. Right. Or any vibration you have is going to transfer right through them because they made the rubber harder, and it's almost. It's hard as steel, so the vibration just transfers right through that, it. That, or they just not drilled right. <laughs> it's huge, yeah, huge, it's huge a huge, huge, huge difference in aftermarket and OEM on most things. But motor mounts are one of those things. You always go back with the OEM. Exactly. If you'll you you, you'll definitely have a problem with them. So, anyway, just just a final little tip. Let's go back to the lines with Paul. Good morning, Paul.
4: Yeah, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, I've got a 2015 Ford Escape. Mm-hmm. It's got the uh, 1.6 liter boost. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been hearing online and on different radio shows, people have been calling up asking about uh, they haven't run into a problem where all of a sudden either the head gasket lets go or the the head lets go and dumps all the coolant into the engine.
0: Have you people heard any of that? I haven't seen a lot of that, Paul. But, again, there's not a huge number of those cars in this area. They're more popular in other areas. There are some out there, obviously. I've not seen it myself i have seen what you're talking about some people talking about it and i would like to have more information on which ones that is occurring with if it's cars that have been worked on before Uh because ford has very very specific service procedures and if someone went in and tried to reuse a head bolt for some reason or didn't torque it down correctly didn't torque it properly because just taking a torque wrench will not do it ford uses a torque to yield boat and what you do is you talk it to a certain amount, and so many degrees past that, you have a special torque wrench that m- works in degrees. Yeah. And I know if the engine were disassembled for some reason and they just put the talk the old bolts back, they're torque to yield. So one time is it. If they tried to reuse a head bolt, if they didn't torque them properly, I can see that could cause a lot of that. Also, I'd like to know if those cars have been maybe overheated at all. Okay. So you know, it's the internet is a good thing in ways, but yeah. people tend to. Post their result without telling you the backstory. Okay. So I don't get too too excited. I think I would just be optimistically cautious with it. Obviously, I would keep the coolant in a car like that very fresh. I would be changing it at least you know no longer than five years the first time, and every three years thereafter. Use the Ford coolant in it. The correct Ford. The Ford coolant. Correct coolant. If it has to be worked on, make sure you're getting somebody who knows what they're doing, and that does not necessarily mean a Ford dealer. I'm not saying Ford dealers right. have anything bad with but a lot of them, they just don't follow their own guidelines at all. <laughs> so you need a good service center that's going to do it properly. You might even ask a few questions about it, and if they don't tell you something like I just told you about the yep. torque-to-yield bolts and the special torque wrenches and all that kind of stuff, then you just need to find another place.
4: Oh, okay. But, well, you put, you put my mind at ease because I, I listen to – Several mm-hmm. car repair shows mm-hmm. online, mm-hmm. and they're all t- saying the same thing you're saying. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Right,
0: exactly. Right. And, you know, again, you got literally millions, hundreds of millions of people out on the internet, and if they have a problem that is an expensive problem, they're going to, oh, man, mine did this, mine did that for no reason at all, blah, 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 blah. But they don't tell you, well, a year ago, the cooling fan went bad, and I went and got an aftermarket and put on there, and it didn't work. So it overheated a couple of times, and finally I got the right one, but now the head guessing But they don't tell you all that. Right, right. So you got to really – I know I go on the Internet sometimes just looking these forums and stuff, and some of the advice I see, I'm like, man, that's that's totally wrong, and, and that's yeah, not yeah. what happened. But, you know, if you just go by what's being said – yeah. You know, it's kind of that old party game where you, one person says something to one person, he says to the next, says the next, and gets to the end, it's something totally different. You know? Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. So, yep. yeah, I have not seen it. We had not had any come to our shop with that problem. I'm not saying I've never seen a blown head gasket on one, but right. I would say certainly it's not a big, big problem other than it was worked on improperly or it was overheated or something caused it, you know?
4: Okay, good, good. Okay, thank, thanks for putting my mind at
0: ease. Okay, Paul, where are you calling from?
4: I'm calling from Massachusetts. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I, p- I picked up the accent.
0: It was a little different.
4: <laughs> <laughs> just a little different than yours. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot, Lou. All
0: right, Paul. Thanks for calling, man. Okay, bye-bye. 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 All right, 291-6901 is the number. You're going to pull the automotive fire. And if you're in Massachusetts or Baton Rouge, you just give us a call. They'll try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And, of course, today's show is live and in person, so you can get a... A live and in-person answer. That's right. <laughs> we'll be out next week and the following week because of Mardi Gras uh-huh. season. Start hitting. When that happens in South Louisiana, everything stops. That that it does. That kind of puts the Super Bowl and the World Series and everything else to shame. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Locally, it's got kind of, you dropped it out of Bob on, <laughs> <laughs> on the city of New Orleans. So. Give us a call. Anyway, we were talking a little bit about fuel, fuel pumps pump. and the ways that they fail and, mm-hmm. and so on. Of course, the one that gets most people is the car is driving fine you pull up you park the car you get in and it just crank 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 and doesn't start
2: mm-hmm.
0: now that's the sudden death that's right the one just like a human being who's in fine health he's running along all just sudden, boom, falls over yeah just has a problem and, and, and doesn't go anymore and that is certainly one way right that a fuel pump can die and that is that is one of the easier ways to diagnose the diagnostics works a lot easier when the pump is actually dead. Well, yeah, a dead man because is easier to diagnose. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You can go back to the tank. If you have power and ground and signal at the fuel pump, hey, fuel pump's not running. You have everything for it to run. Well, at that point, we know that the problem is in the tank. Exactly. Now, it could be the pump is bad. It could be the harness on top of the pump between it and the center unit has failed. It could also be a side of gas. It's because I have seen cars come in. Right? The fuel gauge is reading wrong. It read a quarter tank, and you check you got power and ground. You got no fuel pressure. You pull the fuel pump out, you look down there, and tank's empty. That's it. (laughs) That makes you feel kind of stupid, but that is one of the things you have to realize is that not all fuel tank center center units units work properly. Exactly. Some do, some don't, and some can just go out. And if it goes out, all you know is my tank still sows gas, and it won't start. (laughs) And you know, the worst thing is most people... When they have a fuel pump issue, the mm-hmm. tank is almost full mm-hmm. or it's full. So the service guy having to drop the tank has to contend with 16 to 30 gallons of fuel right. just to get the tank At out. At about 8, 9 pounds per gallon. Exactly. So 20 gallons of fuel is around 180 to 200 pounds. Sure. So that tank already has some weight to it to start with. That makes it even harder. And it's bad enough in a shop where you've got a lift and you've got yes. a jack you can roll under it and you can support it and you can strap it down. But if you're trying to do it at home... Oh, trying to fight that on your, on back, your back, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, you're probably not going to have a good day. No. And, and you could get hurt because that's, that's a lot of weight. And it fuels slushes and it, it, it will, moves. It will move that tank all of a sudden and knock well, it off balance. if you're trying to do it with, a, say, a floor jack with a piece of wood under to spread the load... And you got it kind of balanced on there, and it starts to tip. All the fuel runs to one side. Well, it's coming off, and oh, it's yeah. probably coming down right on your leg. Well, not only that, if you don't have the fuel lines or any of the, the electrical disc will that rip it all that out. it's going to rip all that apart. Yeah, it can really, really get to be nasty. And, of course, if it covers you with gas, that's even worse. Yeah, that's even worse, particularly if you happen to be I, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> 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 that is one thing that I do not like is getting gasoline on me anywhere. Well, you know, it, number one, it stinks. It does. And it stinks forever. It's got odor in it, so you can tell it's gasoline. Sure, and then it dries your skin out when it hits it. It does. It, pulls it burns, all the, burns the skin. And, and it God can. forbid, should you have a cut that it gets into. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not a nice product no. to have spread all over you. But it's just one of the things that can happen. Sure. So the thing sure. is, if you want to try to diagnose a no-start, the first thing you would want to do is you would want to hook a fuel pressure gauge to the car. And right. you're going to have to have... An accurate fuel pressure gauge and the proper adapters to connect it to your vehicle. Right. So that ve- varies by car. It does. Some vehicles have no access for a fuel pressure gauge. Most of the newer vehicles do, mm-hmm. but it's, you have to locate it's usually up on the frame rails. Right. Uh, not frame rail. No. Up on the injector rail somewhere. Right. And that fitting may be different sizes. It, it, it does. Depending does. on the type of vehicle and all that. So you're going to have to have the gauge. You're going to have to have the adapter for the gauge to connect it to your car. And, and probably more important of all, you got to know the specification for the fuel pressure. Exactly. You, just because you have fuel pressure does not mean that it is enough to make this engine run. Correct. You have to have accurate fuel pressure. Well, I hear this all the time. Well, I've checked fuel pressure and it's okay, and, and I'm looking for that. and I've changed da 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 I said, Whoa, 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 back up. What do you mean the fuel pressure is okay? Well, I put it on the gauge, went up. Right. Well, that is that doesn't mean anything. What did it go up to? Because you can take a lot of vehicles. Let's say the specification on fuel pressure is forty eight psi. You could have 45, and it won't it's start. A, exactly. It's got to have 48. 48. And 48 and 45 is not the same. And I know they're close. That's why you got to have an accurate gauge. An accurate gauge. Because three or four pounds in a gauge could throw you off. That's right. And you've got to have the specification. Now, not only do you have to have fuel pressure, you've got to have the proper volume of fuel pressure. Exactly, Because if you've got 48 PSI, but the pump is weak, it may start, but when you start to accelerate, the engine may fall flat on its face. Because it doesn't have enough it volume. It doesn't have enough volume. And, again, that's a whole different test. You can do it with a fuel pressure gauge if you got the right adapters. Uh-huh. But just having pressure is not enough, not even just having the right amount of pressure. you got to have the right amount of pressure. you got to have the right amount of volume. And, lastly, it has to hold pressure. Now, we're going to talk about that when we get back. Take a quick little break. Be right back with more.
2: TJ, I've been looking to tone up, man. You have a personal trainer, right? Yes, I've got the guy, Mr. Miyago. (laughs) He's going to teach me how to wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyago's no joke. Huh? Sorry. He begins by filling your shorts with wet sand to provide weight resistance and enhance focus. Then launches into a series of drills like Crouching Tiger Hidden Badger, Fire Monkey, Flogging Duck, and Highly Agitated Dragon. Sounds kind of extreme. Yeah, bruh. Extreme results.
1: Everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for the right automotive guy, it's Agco Automotive. We make it easy quality repairs, and a staff you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, you get an annual checkup to diagnose problems that could cost you down the road. You
2: will need to sign a waiver stating you are not allergic to pig intestines and live geese. I think I'm just going to hit the gym, TJ, but thanks.
1: Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
3: Noise off the river to ride.
0: Don't mind it because the man with the whiskers has it. Hey, welcome ride. back. You're to the automotive, automotive hour. hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hateful hey, hey, Tools try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291 6901. And we've got Trey has been patiently holding. Good morning, Trey. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you all today? You're doing great, good Morning. Sir.
3: Great, great. Uh,
0: quick question for you. I have a 2002 Toyota Highlander, my
4: daughter's car. Mm-hmm. And um, I noticed the other day that when you do the door locks to lock the door, or um, the the button, the actual button that you would do if you were going to manually lock the door. It's not going all the way, and so I'm thinking the little motor that contain that that causes that to happen is is going bad or, mm-hmm. or yes, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. i was just curious. Are there any gotchas I need to be aware of when I go to try and you know take that door panel off and, and replace that little uh, that little Part that causes it to you know yeah, go the, back
0: and forth the actuators is what they call that part and they're fairly common to go out particularly at higher mileage on on the uh-huh. highlands we've changed quite a few of them it's not a big big trick you need to buy the, the actuator from toyota and you're going to be kind of shocked they're pretty they're pretty pricey those okay. things run anywhere from 150 to 300 a piece depending on the My application goodness. stuff but okay. Brian Taking that door panel, it's just pretty straightforward, isn't it? Maybe a few hidden screws in there. Man, I, I tell you what, every time I take a door panel off, I go to service data because they're all all of them are different. Some yeah. of them clip on, some of them have screws and clip on, some of them have screws and then just lift up. You really need to get service data out to figure out how that panel comes off and where all the little hidden screws you are. You can probably Google it and it probably yeah. some diagrams in there on okay. it. Okay. But don't get rough with it because there's a lot of things that can break. Most of them are gonna have a few hidden screws yep. uh, normally one like in the or, in a little armrest thing in the arm, arm thing, pool there's, the arm there's usually you one around where the, the, the doorknob is where you open the door right the, gotcha. the handle uh, handle you get those out and then if you kind of pull out gently at the bottom of it generally it'll pop out as some kind of a push-in connector right right and Go ahead and get those before get time. Get all those out, yeah, yeah, You and take a real close look at them because before you go to the Toyota dealer, because you probably got to buy a few of those. Generally, some of them are going to break. Yeah. And right, then once right. you get all that out, it still won't come off, then try lifting up on it because generally it's like a lip that goes into the top right where the window's at. It's okay. kind of a piece that goes down and you gotta kinda of lift up on it. And then when you put it back on, you push against winter, you tap that down, then you put it down, you put the clips back in, then you put the screws in last. But All right. once be, you get the panel off, it's pretty much bolt unbolt. Be aware okay. of the the linkage to the handle, the release handle, uh-huh. and the wiring to the switches. Some okay. of that stuff, some of those is kind of short, and if I'm uh-huh. not mistaken, that handle, the handle actually pulls back a little bit and you can take the rod off of it. Before you take the panel off. Right. If you try to just pull the panel off with a rod you'll, attached, you'll break yeah, that you'll panel.
4: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you very much. I appreciate the insight. All right,
0: Trey. All right, sir. Thanks for calling man. in all one sixty nine zero one is the number if you're part of the automotive fire. and you know those do go out a lot on they all do. cars i noticed toyota seems we change a lot of those and we change a lot on the ford products too oh uh, chevrolet products chevrolet as well yeah. i guess yeah. pretty much all cars. we work on more of those than anything yeah, else, right but, yeah well most of those things they've incorporated the lock actuators into the latch mechanism in many cases so when you go to to get just the actuator, you got to buy the, the entire assembly. latch assembly. And to get some of those out, you actually have to take the window tracks out. Right. Uh, the window track is actually in the way to get the assembly out of the door. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be really I, gentle with it. I think Honda is about the only one I can think of at the moment that sells the actuator separately. And those are fairly reasonably priced. You can buy just a little motor part and put mm-hmm. it on, you don't have to buy a whole latch assembly. But I know Toyota generally comes with latch assembly. Chevrolet usually comes with latch assembly. Ford usually comes with latch assembly. Some of your older Fords, the newer Fords are the the latch assembly. The older ones actually have a separate actuator that locks and lock unlocks okay. the. Um, yeah, they they used the to do part. it that way. I guess they were giving this suckers to you to break. There. I guess <laughs> well, they were easy to change. You know, on the Fords you drilled out a rivet and the whole thing fell out in your hand. Yeah. After you had the door panel off, So yeah. it was way too easy to change. Yeah, it was too easy to change. It didn't cost enough, so <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make this a little harder for. Us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was those were um those went out quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah they did. Let's go back to our phone lines. We got Jim online. Good morning, Jim.
3: Yes, sir. I was looking at new vehicles and I wondered with proper service, how long should a Tahoe last with this five liter V eight engine if you were buying one? I'm thinking about buying one for my son.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's a five point three of them. It is mistaken. a 5.3, um, uh, and it's a new design 5.3. three. They've only been out three or four years now, yeah. so there's not a whole lot of history on them. We've seen some problems with them at what I consider fairly low mileage. You know, we've seen those motors go out as low as sixty five thousand miles, which is one of the reasons they've dropped that hundred thousand mile warranty they uh-huh. used to have. Yeah, exactly, they've cut it back to fifty thousand miles, and we have seen some of those motors go out at sure. what I consider low mileage on vehicles that have been fairly well maintained and and that that series of that new series five three actually has an external vacuum pump mm-hmm. because of the valve timing and everything the engine can't create enough vacuum to keep it supplied to the power brakes so mm-hmm. they've actually put a vacuum pump on the motor itself right. those give a lot of trouble we do uh we've got a fleet of those trucks that are fairly new and i know they are maintained properly they're they are. getting all changes every three four thousand miles and they're getting mobile one in them and we've had a couple of them come in where we have to change motors. So mm-hmm. Again, not one of my favorite engines, and I I, know I had to drop it because of all noise and background, so if you have any other questions, give me a call. But not the most horrible not, worst no, vehicle not the in the world. One. Certainly will last long with good maintenance. I certainly would not follow GM's recommendations for no. all changes, which no. I think is ridiculous. And that, that, all, goes, that goes across the board. That's every kind of car. Right. I would be changing all based on need. You can go on my website, and there is an article, how often should I change my all? and that will give you a lot more insight in it. With good maintenance, you may be able to get good good use out of it. I don't think you're going to ever get the kind of mileage out of it you got on the older engines. No. Just because they're way, way more complex. But, you know, if it were me, I'd probably be looking for, like, a four- or five-year-old, one of the older engines that I could buy for half price. But if you just want a new car, that's pretty much what you're going to be. That's what you're going to get because that's all they're going to offer. Yeah. You can't get that old uh, 5.3 anymore. Yeah, the old one without all the extra stuff on there. So, anyway, I don't be the harbinger of doom (laughs) and gloom, but all of the new cars across the board, we're just, to me, seeing way too many major problems at way Way too too low mileage. Yeah. What's no, the GMs, the, the engines are giving a lot of trouble, and the transmissions are giving a lot sure. of trouble. We, we're seeing torque converters come apart in them at, I call, low mileage, sixty seventy five thousand 75,000 miles. Right, less than 100. Than, yeah, when a torque converter comes apart, that metal skews throughout that whole sure. end, transmission. So it's a new transmission each time. New transmission, new cooler? Well, on those, you have to either change the radiator or the air conditioning condenser because the cooler is integrated into that. Exactly. So you're into a... So not only is it a cooler, but then you've got to take and well, uh, drain the AC system out right? And if it's in the AC. You're looking at a six or eight-speed transmission. So you're probably talking 4000 bucks for a transmission, another $1,000 worth of collateral stuff. Damage take yeah. out. So, yeah, it, very expensive to fix. And I just don't... You know, when a, a transmission goes out to me at less than 250,000 miles, unless Something, it's been neglected, yeah, I'm not wrong. happy. No. You know, when I start seeing transmissions that have been fairly well taken care of and the torque converter goes out and it's happening on a lot of them which tells me it's a design flaw sure you know i'm not real real pleased with that and the same thing ford's having a lot of trouble with that and same thing with engines so i'm not real real pleased with new vehicles at at all all. yeah i mean i don't know at some point the the new vehicles will become the older vehicles and you'll be stuck with them but maybe the ones that make the test of time You know, he's kind of of herd immunity. The ones that survive will be okay. (laughs) 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 Herd immunity on cars now. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You were talking a little bit about fuel fuel pumps pumps and and such as that. And again, you have to test for power ground at the pump if you don't have fuel pressure. Now, the way you have to do that, when you turn the key to on, the pump will run, but it'll only run for a few seconds. Exactly. Because if it doesn't recognize RPM coming out the crank sensor, it knows the vehicle hasn't started. So it's not going to continually run that pump because if it did, it could flood the engine. So what it's going to do is it's going to run it for two to three seconds and then shut it off. Mm-hmm. So if you want to test for power and ground at the pump, you checked it, you've got the right adapters, you got the right gauge, you got the specification, and you got no fuel pressure. Next step is to go back to the connector and see that you got power and ground between the two proper terminals. But what you have to do is be back there with the gauge back probe the terminals don't front probe them because you will damage them you want to go back probe them through the back side of the connector and then have someone turn the key to on and see if you got voltage and ground or have that instrument close enough to the ignition switch where you can turn the switch and yeah, watch and games. that that would involve some extra wires and all that which would be a little more a no little uh, more in depth but in depth but if you don't if have you few yourself yeah you just have to have some long leads where you can hook it all up walk in and you might want to try it several times sure You turn the key off between cycles because if you just turn it on and turn it on again, it's not going to run because it's still... You have to turn it all the way off, let it sit for a a second or two, and then turn it on. But you only have a brief period of time to test for power and ground. Correct. It will not continuously run that pump. I've seen good pumps replaced. For that reason. For that reason. They they go in there, and or I've seen a lot of electrical diagnosis. They'll go in and say, well, I don't have power and ground there, so it must be an electrical problem. So they start changing relays and changing this and changing that and the other. Now... You have to be aware also. If you do not have power and ground to the pump, do not assume the pump is bad. The pump could also be bad, but you have to resolve the power and ground sure problem first. Because even if you change the pump and it got a got a new if pump, if you don't have power, you still don't have power and ground. Still, you you power and ground. To run. So what you have to do is figure out why. Now there are certain things that can kill the power and ground. Sure, you know, for one, we see this a lot where the guy has got a key that's gone bad. He puts it in the chip, and the key is bad. He thinks. The vehicle thinks it's being stolen, so it's going to kill the fuel pump. Right. It goes into security mode. Right. It won't start. He checks. He's got no fuel pressure. He's got no power and ground to the pump. So he starts looking for all kind of things. Always try a different key. Exactly. And make sure. Also, look on your dash. And if you got like a little red light with a looks like a padlock or something flashing, that means it's in theft mode. Something like a door actuator going bad where it doesn't know the door's locked. Well, it thinks or, the door's locked and the door opens. Then opens, it's going it to think it's being stolen. System. It's going to shut it down. Sure. So we got to take our last quick little break. we got a whole lot more. Just
2: hang on. We'll be right back. Hey, Mike, I'm thinking about boiling some shrimp. You know where I can get a good price? Oh, yeah. I got a shrimp guy, but there's a catch. His name is Remy Labateau, and you have to go down to Lafouche Parish and meet him after midnight. Okay. He'll be behind the dumpster of an abandoned stand standoff Louisiana 1, and you have to buy exactly 50.3 pounds.
1: Well, that's
2: oddly specific.
1: It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, look no further than the team at AGCO Automotive. No hassles, just straight up quality maintenance and repairs. And with AGCO's general inspection, they can perform an annual checkup to find any problems and schedule maintenance to keep your car running right, saving you money in the long run. So
2: what kind of seasoning do you use? Oh, I got a seasoning guy, too how do you feel about traveling to bangkok
1: get automotive peace of mind schedule your general inspection today at agco automotive agco it's the place to go
0: Hey, welcome back! If you just started listening, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzam, President of Agco Automotive. Got our General Manager, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. we us trying to answer any automotive question you may have. Still got a few minutes. We'll be a recorded show next, next week, week and the week following. So if you got a question, you need to get it in real fast because we're running out of time. Yeah, we are talking today about fuel, fuel pumps. pumps, and there are just a number of ways they have to be tested. Just saying, I check fuel pressure really doesn't mean a whole lot without knowing how it was checked. And we mentioned you got to have the right gauge, you got to have an accurate gauge, you got the right adapter to hook up. You have to have the correct amount of fuel pressure. Just having fuel pressure is not anything. Exactly. You got to have the correct volume of fuel. Right. Now, to check volume, there is a push button on a lot of gauges with a line on it. And what you would be, have to do is you get a graduated cylinder. Put the line off into that with the engine running. Push the drain back button and see how much fuel it can produce in a certain amount of time without killing the engine. Right. Because if I push this button and start draining fuel off and engine immediately dies, I'm not producing enough volume. volume. So we have pressure and we have volume. That's two different tests, two totally different ways in which the fuel pump is going to fail. Sure. If I don't have pressure, it's not going to start. If I've got pressure but I don't have volume, it is going to start but it's going to lack power when i start to go up a hill it may the pressure will drop down as the pressure starts to drop i'm going to lose power drastically and it's going to bog down or even die sure kind of like if you remember back in the old days when we had external fuel filters with a plug fuel filter was the same thing because you were cutting the volume of fuel that could pass through that filter so one of the classic symptoms was well when i drive along and i go up the bridge my car starts stuttering and and won't go and you let off it'll go ahead and go well that was lack of fuel volume. volume Now, most of the filters today are really large. They're around the pump. They don't give much trouble. Well, However, mo- they most, can. Most of them today are inside the tank, inside the tank with and the part of the fuel pump. Right. So, a restricted fuel filter can cause that problem with the pump or just a pump that is failing but hasn't totally Completely failed. failed yet. Maybe the brushes are bad. It's not running as fast as it used to, mm-hmm. not turning as fast. Maybe the regulator on the pump has failed and it's dumping fuel back in the tank as More well as than supplying it some. So, Again, two different failure modes. Now, a classic sign of a fuel pump that a lot of people don't associate with a fuel pump is when I go to start my car, it just crank, 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 crank. You get a uh, a long, what they call a long crank. Extended crank. And then I turn it off, and I go back, and it starts again the second time it starts. Or the third time, it starts right up. And some people will start pumping the gas pedal and all that. Well, if I pump the gas, it starts. Well, let me tell you, when you're pumping the gas, it's doing absolutely nothing absolutely nothing you're moving a sensor who is totally right. disregarding you you're doing nothing by pumping the gas it's just what you're, you're turning doing it off and turning it back on and you're doing that assuming you, that so you, the pedal you're was, assuming that pumping the pedal is doing right. something i'll assure you pumping hey, the pedal has nothing to do with it that used to work on the carburetor yeah it does not work on fuel injection right but when you turn the key off turn it back on turn it off turn it back on each time that pump runs for one or two seconds right now let's say we've got a fuel pump that's losing fuel pressure because when you turn the key off the pressure stops, but it has to hold a certain amount of pressure on the fuel rail and the injectors for it to be able to start the next time. Exactly. So there's a valve in that pump that closes, and it keeps pressure on the line. So another way that you can test the pump is you turn the key off, and you see how long it holds you, pressure. Right. You watch that needle. And if it starts falling off immediately, immediately. then you've got a regulator issue. You've got a leak somewhere. Yeah, you got a is leak normally, somewhere. Normally a regulator allowing the pressure to bleed off. Right. And again, the classic symptom is it won't... Starting on the first crank. You cycle the key a few times. And, and it starts right up. Disregard pumping the pedal. <laughs> I, I know you think. <laughs> you know, yeah. Alternatively, turn it on. If it doesn't start, just go get your wife. Let her do it. It'll start. And maybe she knows something <laughs> she don't know, but you know, it's just the fact that the key will cycle a few times. Sure. And that's a way that you can kind of test for that without having any equipment. If you turn the key off, wait a second, turn it back on, turn it off, wait a second, turn it back on, and it starts immediately. Then that is a sign that the fuel pressure is dropping, and one reason for that is a bad fuel pump. Exactly. Now leaking injectors can cause the same issue, but what generally happens when your pressure leaks down? That's going to be it has to sit for a period of time before it'll start, right? Because, because it's flooding the engine, right? They're leaking into the cylinders. There's too much fuel in the engine already, right? If it leaks the, the injectors, so the old vehicles with a few bad fuel pressure regulator used to experience. They that. did, and we used to call out a hard start after a hot soak Mm -hmm. and what that means is you would start the car it would run fine it would start right up it would drive good you'd cut it off it would sit for a few minutes then you come back and it wouldn't start right but if it sat for a while it would go ahead and start and people would change spark all, plugs, all they would change calls, they would change computers and all that, not relating that back to a fuel pump problem, even though it was our fuel regulator. Exactly. What was happening is that the fuel pressure regulator has a diaphragm in it that's connected to vacuum. When you accelerate, the vacuum drops so it boosts the fuel pressure to cover that. Sure. Now, what happens if that diaphragm ruptures, it has vacuum on it, so it's sucking fuel into the intake. So the engine... In the morning, it had been sitting all night, all the fuel had evaporated out, it cranked right up. And it would run fine because it could produce enough pressure, even with the leak. It was just leaking in, and the oxygen system hey, we're a little lean. It would just cut back on the injectors, and it would run fine. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't know was the problem. You let it sit, that's the hot soak, and when you came back, enough fuel had leaked into the intake to where it had flooded the engine. Didn't have enough time to evaporate out. Correct. If you cranked it long enough, particularly if you put the pedal all the way to the floor and cranked it, if you got a kind of vehicle that supports that, that would cut the injectors off. GMs used to do that. If you had right. pedal all the way on the floor and you cranked it would cut the injectors off, and it would let it. The that was, ignition would burn the fuel out. That was exact. They actually called that a clear flood mode. Yeah, flood clear that, that mode. Was, that was the process to clear flood. Right, and of course they don't really. I don't they, know if they have I, that. On everything I don't now, think they do, I'm but they sure. don't have regulators on the fuel rails any longer. Most systems now are returnless systems, so the regulator is in the tank. Right, and it. But regulates it, fuel before it pushes it to the front, so it no longer has that problem. So that particular problem right. has kind of gone away. I remember back the old Cadillacs, the old North Star Cadillacs had a lot of trouble with that. Mm-hmm. The, the hard start after hot soak. Same thing with some of the Chevy pickups, had a lot of trouble they with did. that. Especially the old throttle body vehicles. Right. Because the regulator was actually in inst- the throttle body. Well, it was built into the throttle body, and when it would leak, it would just run down the ports and run into the intake. Right, and if you look down the throttle body with a flashlight, you'd see a big clean spot right. Exactly, it would clean all that dirt now because that fuel running in there. That was that was the big giveaway. Right. You could take the air cleaner top off and look down in there and see that. The old central port injections, the old CPIs, had that problem, too. And what would happen, the regulator was inside the intake manifold. It was underneath the plastic Under part. the plastic part, the uh, upper intake. And it would rupture, and when it did, it would run bad because it was cutting out, misfiring. But it would also have that hard start. It would run the fuel in the back two cylinders because that's where the regulator was. It was on the back of the right. intake, and the fuel would run in. When you took the top off, you could see those two ports were clean, and everything else was dirty. And a lot of times, it would foul those plugs. It would. And people would start checking, well, it won't run or it's running bad. They'd change those two plugs. Oh, I got to just a couple full of file plugs. No, no, no. It doesn't just have file plugs. Right. File them. Something did it. You'd pull the intake, upper intake off, and you'd see a sparkling clean sure. cast iron path all the way to those two back zones you could yep. see the gas had been running out. And, of course, the you could go in and replace the regulator, but it cost almost as much as, as the new injection system. Yeah, the new those. injection system. GM had a lot of trouble with that. So they retrofitted. it to a port injection. Right. Real nice conversion. Real nice And they were reasonably priced at first. Of course, they've gone up now. It's about $450, $500 for the conversion kit. But it's a direct bolt-in. You just take the whole assembly out, put this one in. Right. Change the bracket that held it down. You put a little port injector into each of the cylinders, in each one of the ports on the thing, and you plug your wire in, and it would take the same signal that ran the old CPI, and it would run the port injection. It would. It was a nice setup. Yeah, it was really nice. I had my truck. It made a big difference. I, I converted my truck over. Mine's an old, So somewhere back in the 90, late 90s, early 2000s is when you had that. Mm-hmm. And if you ever have that problem, G, be aware GM does make a kit to convert that over to port injection, which yep. is a big, big improvement. So these are just some of the ways that a fuel pump can go bad. Mm-hmm. Another way, and this is intermittent, it can be hard to find. We used to see this a lot on Jeeps. You'd be driving along, and all of a sudden, it would start stuttering. And it would die. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't start. No matter what you do, it just wouldn't restart. You go call for a tow truck. Well, the tow truck would get there, get in there, boom, it would crank right up. And what was happening, the fuel pump would get hot, and it would go to open circuit so it wouldn't run. Once it cooled back down, the circuit would close The back. circuit would close, and it would go ahead and start.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, one last thing, because we're just about out of time. When you look at your gas gauge, you notice that last little part of that gauge is it's red. red. Do not run your fuel all the way to empty because that will damage the pump. It needs the fuel in the tank to give it head pressure to lower the load. Also Also, the fuel is the coolant. That's right. It cool it keeps that pump from running hot. So if you continually run your car to empty, you're probably gonna have fuel pump problems. When it gets to a quarter tank, just call that empty and go ahead, go and, ahead fill and fill it. it. Find you somewhere and to fill it And buy a good name brand fuel. Some of these big box store fuels are just right. not as clean as a name brand fuel. Find you a high volume station. High also. volume station. Some, somewhere and, that the fuel moves. And don't buy gas when they're dropping. When they're pumping Wait, the gas right. when in. It, when the fill truck is there, <laughs> just drive, drive on by. That's it. Hey, I see we're just about out of time. Got to get on out of here. Thank everybody who listens to the show and everybody who listens on podcasts. like thank our podcasters this week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, find a written view, and fill it out for us, please. Hey, go. Sure appreciate that. Move something ranking so we can keep doing the show. There you go. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.